Murphy. And I'm Georgie. Coming to you with chats about all aspects of design, creativity and its influence on life. Can I get a whoop whoop? Whoop whoop. This is Creative Clinks. Welcome back to another episode of Creative Clinks. We're here with our beautiful guest that I have had the absolute privilege to be taught by in uni. She's an absolute weapon, has an amazing story, and I'm sure you're all going to be listening on the edge of your seats. Welcome, Cherie. Thank you for having me. So nice to see you again. So good to see you. My goodness. So, Cherie, you are a lecturer at Torrens University, which both Georgie and I studied at. Can you tell us about what your role there is to start with? So I teach in the design and creative tech faculty and I teach across the graphic design diploma and communication degree. Lots of fun. I'm based in Ultimo. I teach online as well. Um, teach across a whole broad range of subjects. So it means that I actually get to not just teach graphic design students, but also fashion designers, um, some about game students. Um, so there's a, a good mix in there. Wow. Gaming as well. Cool. Yeah. I mean, it works really well. We do some core subjects where you get like an interior student, you get fashion, you get basically it's a whole melting pot. Amazing. Amazing. Now, Cherie, you have an amazing backstory. I, well, we both know that you are just an absolute like gun and you have been extremely successful in everything you've put your mind to. Can you give us a really short kind of background as to, I guess, where your creative journey started a long time ago? Hey, 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 hey. Um, <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> I guess I was at uni like a lot of students and in between uni, I went and did a short course and I met a guy called Stephen Behrens and um, we got along really well. And at, during the course, he said to me, hey, like, why don't we get together and put together a folio and I'll, I'll email a creative director and we'll see if we can get an interview. And I said, okay, that sounds like a great idea. I was working in retail at the time. And so he would meet me after my shift. So I you know, do the, the Thursday night, five to nine shift. And he'd meet me afterwards and we'd go and hole up in a coffee shop and we'd spend up until, you know, they kicked us out basically working on some creative ideas for their clients. Fast forward, I think it was about a week and we had a whole book full of spec ads. He, to his word, made an appointment with the creative director, you know, was happy to see our book and basically had a flick through our book, was super impressed that we had gone to the effort of creating these ads for their clients and said, great, you can start on Monday. This coincided with my uni break perfectly. And so we saw him on the Friday and on the Monday, we now had, well, kind of a job. And I say kind of a job because at the end of every Friday, he'd, he'd call us into his office and he'd say, okay, great. You can come back next week. And I think that happened for about nine months. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, it was a great, a great kind of entree into the world of advertising, but it was fantastic. And that kind of really set me on my journey to, I guess, being an advertising art director. And then from then on, things just kind of snowballed. Yeah. And did you find that experience of just being on the edge of your seat, feeling that, you know, I don't know, did you feel adrenaline from that going, like nearly not fear, but just anxiousness of like, am I coming back next week? Or do you, are you just like nerves of steel and you're like, I've got this, it's all good? I think on the outside, I was pretty cool, calm and collected, but on the inside, definitely not. But what that experience taught me was that, it is super competitive. Crossing that bridge to your first job is such a big leap to take. 
And back then we used to use the expression, like, you've just got to get your foot in the door. And back then it was super competitive and particularly in Sydney to be a creative in advertising was really hard to get into. And that really changed my perspective on things because I remember how hard it was for me and how little support I had rather than that kind of foot in the door approach. I'm like, no, let's open the door, get a doorstop and let me help as many people through that door as I can. And that's kind of become a bit of my own personal philosophy since. So if I can help someone get a job or get an introduction to someone, I will do that because I know how that felt. And I still remember it was many years ago, as you said, Bobby, (laughs) but I still remember what that felt like and the anxiety that came with that. And when you said that you felt like you didn't have the support that you needed at that time, what do you mean in regards to that? Was that due to your studies or due to personal life? When I say support, the creative industry is very different now. We have a lot of representation. I was the in many agencies, even as I went through my career, you know, one of many few uh, female creatives. There weren't a lot of people that were maybe first and family university graduates who came from a culturally and linguistic diverse background. There was no one to kind of help me on that journey. And I think, you know, it was very much so kind of just learning on the job. You know, now there's so many fantastic campaigns about creating space for all kinds of people to, you know, have a career in the creative industries. But back then, this was a rarity. There wasn't that kind of environment. It was very competitive. I ended up having a really great little network of other young creatives in the industry who I still speak to today. I'm still really good mates with all of them, but it was tough, very tough back then. And you kind of didn't want to leave your position because you were worried about the next one. But Mm. like everyone, once you've kind of got your first job, it it gets easier. Yeah. I love that, that you're so open about everything is so competitive and like it's the foot in the door I've been saying that for like the last year (laughs) and about like trying to get my own foot in the door you know that's all it's about you just got to get there then it gets easier and like I have never heard someone else go well if I've got my foot in the door I'm holding it open like come on in everyone and I think that is just so hard to come by you're such a good human Well, I think, you know, if you can help people, you should. And I think that's part of it. And I just remember, you know, just feeling very like lucky to have landed that position. And I mean, I've done that obviously as a teacher, you know, it's always part of my job to do that. But I think if you can do it in industry as well, it goes such a long way. I mean, you just don't know when you need your next job or even just being able to email, like, you know, there's so many times where I'll just send a one-line email to someone I've worked with, like, hey, how do I do X, Y, Z? And I'll just get like a one-liner back with the answer. And I love having that once you kind of build that network. Oh my God, it's just, it feels like you have almost like a soft place to land, even though you're not working together, but you know, you have this invisible network of support. It's just really wonderful to kind of build that network and, and feel supported. So true. You know, actually, Funny um, thing this morning, I met a an artist at a networking event and she has been trying to find like a space for herself that she can't to rent out. Like she does these incredible like sculptures and, and she can't find anywhere to actually like do these from. She doesn't have the space at home, etc. And it's funny, she went to this network event to actually try and find someone that could possibly help her maybe help her find a space not necessarily has that space but just someone who might go hey I've thought of this person or whatever it might be and so many of us said to her I'm taking this as a challenge 
I now want to try and help you and see what I can do to find you this space because what you do is absolutely incredible. So it's kind of exactly what you was just saying that once you've got you've got that right connection, you just never know how how you might have to you know use that connection in the future and still have that door open. Mm. I remember once going into my creative director's office and I had a real a job that I really loved doing, but I just felt like I wasn't being paid enough. And I remember really thinking about the value that I brought to that agency. So I put together a presentation, I presented it, and I asked for quite a big pay rise. It was about 20%. And he said, yeah, you can, you can have the pay rise. And I remember just being really shocked. And he must have registered that shock. And he said, hey, Sheree, I'm going to teach you a lesson. You don't ask, you don't get. And I think that's part of it. As creatives, we are so afraid to mm-hmm. ask. Mm-hmm. You know, so we kind of sit in this space of fear where it's like most people, if you ask them, most good people are genuinely happy to help. Yeah, I agree. The asking for help is most creatives are pretty terrible at it. So true. Why is that? I think you've given me more confidence just by saying that wherever you can help, it's it's a little bit of help, regardless of the scale of it. I think I... I put this help as this huge thing that I couldn't possibly offer someone and that I have nothing worth offering, but it's like, it could be really small. And I'd love to, I'd love to be able to help people because getting your foot in the door is the hardest part. I don't really mind putting myself out there so much these days, whereas maybe before I did, but now I kind of feel like, "Eh." I feel like the pandemic has changed that a little bit. Whereas now, because we are so digital, I'm happy to drop someone an email and just kind of be a little bit more maybe a little bit more bolshy than I otherwise would. <laughs> oh, wow. I love that. So after your career in advertising, you went on to do a couple of small little businesses for yourself, didn't you? Can you tell us about that? Sure. I um, So while I was still working in advertising, had I guess we didn't call it a side hustle back then. It was kind of like our main hustle on top <laughs> of our full-time jobs. I had a business with a girl that I went to uni with. It was called Lola and Bailey. We did quite well. We both had studied a design degree and we had an accessories and homewares kind of label. We did tote bags and jewellery and that kind of thing. Um, We ended up collaborating with Sports Girl and going to New York Gift Fair and what else did we do? We did G'day USA. We did a few, uh, you know, international trade shows. We toured around Australia doing um, homegrown markets and things. That went really well, but there was a yearning to do something related to my heritage. So fast forward, I started my own homewares label that was all designed by me, but it was manufactured and made by Indian craftspeople. So I toured India, found my craftspeople, had those goods made, had them imported back to Australia and sold those. That went really well as well. I think what I realized in doing that is that something was missing for me. And I think I've only just put the pieces together recently. I managed to exceed and almost replicate the success of the first business. And the second business was called the the new Punjab. And I kind of replicated that and even exceeded that in sales and how it was working, but something was missing for me and I, I couldn't quite put my finger on it. One, I kind of realized that maybe having my own kind of business that stocked goods isn't for me. My heart wasn't really in it. I thoroughly enjoyed the design process, but when you're a business person for both businesses, my heart wasn't in the admin. And as you both know, like, you know, when you're yeah. freelancing, all of the hats that you have to wear. So many hats. I don't have enough heads for that. Like, oh my goodness. It's exhausting, isn't it? And then uh, I kind of fell into teaching while I was kind of considering what I was doing. I had a few things in the air and it sounds really uh, spoiled to say this, but 
when success kind of came quite easily to those two businesses, it was a grind, but it wasn't hard at the time because there wasn't a lot of people in the landscape. It's not like now where we live on Instagram and social and everything. Everyone has a business. It wasn't like that. So the timing was perfect for both of those businesses at the time. But I think what was missing was this sense of just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. You know, every idea that you have, you go off and you go and do it. And I used to do that all the time. It's like, you know, I, I'm the worst culprit. You should, I should just host a garage sale because you'll see like all this brand new stuff that I've never used. But just because you can, so all those creative ideas, sometimes I need to be a little bit more discerning about what I pursue now and really follow my heart where, where that's concerned. I feel like that's going to have to be a recorded episode of you just like doing a show and tell of all of this <laughs> magical stuff that you've just crafted over the years. I guess that's a great transition to in like, you know, you're, you found that it's just because you can doesn't mean you should, but did you feel that you had like an innate part of you that really had a need to seek that new adventure? Completely. Thrill of the new. Yeah, I'm the worst person for that. Me too. It's the creative disposition, isn't it? You know, everyone's, every creative I know wants a t- has a T-shirt brand in their bottom drawer. <laughs> they want to write a children's kid book. They've got a half-written screenplay. They're working on their first draft of their novel. I want to write a musical. <laughs> every creative person, you know, and I just feel like that's part of the, being a creative person is you want to have like your fingers in all the pies and then you decide, I actually don't like pie. It's just part of being a creative so I'd like to I'd like to go back, if possible, to where you where you said that you've kind of now decided like you want to follow your heart a little bit more. Do you think? Because I kind of feel like that this is maybe something that I learned with age, that that kind of is like it's almost like a process that you get to that certain stage because when you're a bit younger, you're just like yeah 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 I'm going to do this 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 and this, and then you get to a certain year, a certain age, and you realize that actually it doesn't give you as much satisfaction that you thought that it possibly was going to give you at the time? Oh, 100%. And I hate to say it, when you're young, it's like time is an infinite resource. As you age, you're like, I have a limited amount of time. How am I going to spend it? Yeah. Mm. I mean, it's obvious that you have like a huge amount of drive anyway, which is a key to success to start with. Where have you gotten that drive from in your in your past? I want to say my mom has the most amazing stamina. So she's like the one person who wakes up and just has endless amounts of energy. I don't have her amount of drive, but I am driven by, I think, you know, the unknown, like, you know, just wanting to try everything once for sure. I think that's kind of part of life, isn't it? I don't want to get to the end. Uh, actually, a guy that I used to work with told me a great, a great little line that I love. And he, he just said, he who dies with the most stories wins. Oh. And I love that. I love that. Just think your your perspective kind of changes as you get older, yeah. for sure. And it and it helps you grow, grow. and learn yeah. to where you kind of are now. So yeah. I listen to all of this and just think you're just this fearless branding business warrior. And I'm just like, how can I be that? <laughs> I have so much self-doubt. And I guess for like, did you have small episodes or do you find that's a a part of you that does have that self-doubt, but you kind of can overpower it with this willpower just to, and drive that you said that you, that you've gotten from your mom. Do you find that that kind of overcomes that or you've never really succumb or like had that feeling of self-doubt and fear when it comes to jumping into something like you've done so many, so many times now? 
when I was younger, you have less fear. So you jump into everything. I think as you actually get older, it gets worse because you think oh, there's so much writing on this and people are watching now with LinkedIn and social media and stuff. Whereas I think back then it's just like, you could fail easily. You know, there's this whole, I actually learned a term the other day. It was called learnings. So failed learnings. And I love that, you know, things kind of turn really, turn out really badly. You can always learn something from it. But I think when I was younger, I never really thought about it going out there and just doing whatever I wanted to do. I just went, you know what, we're going to start a label. We're going to do this. And now we're going to India and we're going to import this. And yeah, I just never thought about it. What I'm really kind of interested in is obviously now with your academic work from your past, how has that influenced how you are now as a, as a lecturer? Oh, this is a really tough one because it's kind of like assessing your own kind of skill set here. <laughs> the one thing that has brought to my teaching practice is that I am really aware of the commercial realities of everything that you do. And I think we teach design and we want people to go on and be employable. I'm always hyper aware of there are definite commercial realities. We want people to go and make money and to be able to sell their products or whatever it might be, their services. That I kind of bring that with me into the classroom because I've had businesses. I know how it works. I've worked in advertising, which is very much so a commercial business. So that's definitely something that I imbue in all of my students. And I guess also that sense of, um, you know, because I have had my finger in so many pies, so to speak, I, I do kind of bring, I guess, that sense of, hey, why don't you be experimental? I remember, you know, talking to a student about a project and he was really stuck with it. And I said to him one day, why don't you just like, why don't we look at this as a magazine, but you produce it in 24 hours. And unbeknownst to me, I didn't know that he went on to do this, but then he kept that magazine going after he graduated and he was producing a magazine in 24 hours and he would release it every month. And he had other students doing it with him. Oh, wow. And I ended up winning a few awards and all sorts of things. Stop it. Yeah. So I think, I think that's kind of, that's a nice part of, you know, being able to teach. And I don't really tell a lot of students about my past unless they ask, but the few students that I have told have come back to me later after they've graduated and say, I've got this idea. What do you think? And could you point me in the right direction of a manufacturer? And I've always been happy to kind of help with that stuff too. Wow. Do you feel like like today's kind of learnings or teachings are very different to when you went to university? I think the thread is there, but I think when I studied design, it was very much so about aesthetics, mm. whereas now it, design is a vehicle to solve problems. Mm. I think what you get now is perhaps what I studied over four years, you might get in the space of a year. I think you can learn so much more now because we have everything at our you know fingertips. If we had a reading to do, we'd have to go to the library. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't really necessarily have like an online portal. It was more of a, it just wasn't as accessible as it is now. And I think that makes it so much easier. Yeah, definitely. And was there something, is it because you've got that part of you that's always like, yeah, you know, open the door for others. Is that what ultimately led you to lecturing or what kind of took you fully to that path to, to really educate others? I hate to say this, but it was serendipity. I had always wanted to be a lecturer and it was something that was on my radar. And I had bumped into someone at Creative Mornings in Sydney and she had mentioned that she was working at a design school in Sydney and she said that they were looking for lecturers. 
And, you know, I'd kind of maybe mentioned a bit about what I was doing. And she said, well, why don't you come around this afternoon? I'll introduce you to the program director and we can start the ball rolling. If he's interested in your skill set, we can go from there. And then that's really how I, how I got my foot in the door there. So it was just, I felt like there was a few moving pieces, but it was just like everything that is good and that is meant to happen. It's timing. So how do you think that from having the life experiences you've had with going on all these business ventures, meeting the people you have, and just having that game to dive into something, even though it's so unknown and so scary for people like me, how do you think that that has influenced the way you teach people? Gosh, that's a curly one. Um, I think I like to do the whole what's and all thing. So I'll always tell people about my first day working in an agency and how it it was overwhelming and I was really anxious about it, even though I may come across now as very confident and I obviously speak every day to people and I'm always presenting. I think you can assume that people, you know, this is their natural state. It's taken me 20 years to get to this point. You know, I was never always on my very first day of work, I presented in front of a boardroom. And I think I remember telling you that story. It's like walk into a boardroom, we're overlooking the harbour, we're on Macquarie Street, there's 20 people in the room. And it was the very first presentation I had ever given in my on my very first day in my very first job. So it has taken me 20 years to get to this point. It's not a natural state. So I love to share the stories where things have just gone wrong. You know, like, hey, I was in your situation once upon a time and I was filled with the same self-doubt. So I think that that is something I try to kind of peel back the layers or kind of, you know, (laughs) sweep the curtain back so I can kind of show them what it's actually like. I don't want to ever stand up and make anything seem unattainable ever. I know for for myself, when I first signed up to uni, I was like, I'm doing this because I know it is going going to be like, they've got a great reputation. It's going to get my foot in the door as we're talking about my foot in the door whole thing. And I know the lecturers um, are supposedly the best in the industry. So as a student, I almost kind of went into my degree with those expectations that I was automatically going to receive that, which is really, really hard. I'm not saying that obviously as students, it means you still need to put in, put in the work, right? But nowadays, I think, you know, there's so much talk where it's like, do you really need to go to university? You know, people don't go to university and have just had 20 years experience possibly doing the same job, but never got a degree in it. Why do you think it is so important for further education when, yeah, for someone like myself where I had really high expectations of coming into university thinking that it was really going to assist me in getting into the industry that I wanted to, do you feel those expectations from students like I guess I had at the time? Uh, Yes and no. Uh, It depends on the student. Some students definitely want to, you know, really make the most of it. They immerse themselves in everything and they will ask you all of the questions, which is great. Some students are, you know, maybe studying on top of a a full-time job. So they're kind of juggling a whole lot of things. So we kind of uh, understand that not everyone has the same dedication, which is fine. And and obviously you have to meet us halfway. So you have to put in the work to, to get something out of it. But I do think I have learned that there is so much value in having that piece of paper. I remember when I finished university and I went to a very uh, good university, I went to the University of New South Wales. I didn't quite understand, like I just was kind of going through the motions because I was the first in my family to ever go to university. I was box ticking, you know, in a way. Whereas as I've gotten older, I've realized that there is so much credibility that comes with having that degree and that piece of paper. And it it opens up so many more doors for you um, in the future. 
I think that piece of paper is it's invaluable. Yeah, definitely. Personally, I'm that kind of person who I so envy those people who can self-teach and just have the tenacity and the drive to just do it. Whereas me, like I have to really build myself up or I have to find the right project where I'm like, I want to do this in my spare time. Like it takes a bit for me. I did put that extra drive into going, okay, let's go and get a degree. Let's get the piece of paper and let's go from there. So it was all a bit of a YOLO, to be honest. And let's face it, getting a degree is not the easy way out. Like you've got four years of consistent, dedicated study. You've got people holding you accountable where you have to deliver assessments on time. You're getting that sense of community. You're getting now access to people working in the industry. You can't have those things learning from your phone. You can't have those things just signing up to a free course where there's no facilitator. But I think there is definitely, you know, a certain type of person like me. I'm trying to learn French at the moment and tried Duolingo. I need to sign up to French lessons. Yeah. I need to go to a lesson because that's how I learn. I'm never going to, on my own accord, sit down and start just playing on my phone to learn French. Yeah. If it comes to learning, I need to be, I need to physically do it. I need it in front of me. And that's probably the other part is that I was probably destined to never do an online course for design because at the end of the day, like I need it, I need it in front of me and to be interactive with it. Actually, I'm just going to kind of add on to, I guess, this whole thing about talking about uni and, and studying. I think for me, like I actually, when I finished high school, I tried to do my degree and I actually didn't get the marks to to do interior design all these years ago. So like, I mean, God, I graduated in 1994. So this is quite a long time ago and I didn't have that. And I remember being so devastated and all these years later, I obviously decided to finally do it. But I don't know if I would have been able to, even if I got those marks back then. I don't know if like emotionally capable, I would have been able to have done that. So I think you really do have to be ready. You've got to be ready for that commitment and and Mm. all that kind of thing. And even with at my age now, and actually, God, what I went through finishing my degree, I was working full time. And then I took care of my mum who was sick with cancer. And then I adopted a child all at the same time while finishing my degree. It was incredible, like uh, what I actually went through that whole time. But I think at this age was the only way I could have ever been capable of doing that. Oh, yeah. So it's kind of really important, I think, for people to understand and recognise when... Timing. When they, yeah, exactly right. Timing that, you know, part of this is timing and knowing when you can do it. And then you've got that drive to continue and actually do something with it, not just, hey, get that piece of paper and hey, I'm done now. What? That's probably the biggest thing that I've realized that so throughout school, it was drilled in get a good HSC to be smart, to get in through the front door because that's the easiest way to go through. And I remember I heard a lot about UTS and I was 0.4 of a mark away from getting into um, their graphic design course. The one person that's always said to me, you know, everything happens for a reason. I've always resented that statement, but it does because at the end of the day, if that didn't happen, I then served a customer when I was working in telecommunications in Tamworth in my gap year. She told me about Billy Blue. She told me she worked for Dinosaur Designs and was amazing and her life's amazing and the uni's great. You should go and do it. And I was like, oh, my God, why not? Let's look at it. Then I applied for Billy Blue. I got into Billy Blue. I met Barbie. I got taught by you. Like none of this would be happening if all of those sequences didn't happen. Gosh, darn, I hate that saying. But, yeah, nah, 
everything happens for a reason apparently and so here we are like I couldn't imagine it any other way all right Georgie do you think it's time that we ask Sheree the our creative clinks three questions it is all right I'll start Sheree if your career had no boundaries and there was nothing in life that could stop you from doing whatever you wanted to do whether it was time finances life would you still be doing what you are doing now or do you have an ideal career that you always wanted to do but you haven't yet attempted it? No, I actually really love what I do, but I'm not going to lie. If I won $100 million tomorrow, I'd be, you know, first thing I'd do is buy an apartment in New York and an apartment in Paris and then split my time between the two. In Paris, I'd just be, you know, on the quest for the best almond croissant. <laughs> if you're in New York, I'd just be, you know, at Balthazar every night. <laughs> But your career would stay the same. Yeah, no, I love what I do. No, I think, you know, isn't it funny how your career kind of becomes your identity? I, I do genuinely love what I do. Like I still teach. Yeah, I've, I've found that happy place. Yeah, and I don't think just from obviously, you know, the little that we do know about you anyway, I I don't think you'd be someone to be able to just sit back and do nothing. Oh, no, you'd find a new passion project like that. Like, honestly. You'd drive yourself crazy. <laughs> Next question. What do you say to people who say to you that they are not creative? Okay, you might not be. <laughs> that is so not the answer we've gotten the whole time. This is a beautiful change. I don't try and convince people that they're creative. I just kind of like never tell people what they should be or what they think they are. But do you think everyone's got creativity in them? No. Plot twist. I don't think everyone is naturally creative. Um, I think people can be taught to be creative, but I think that there's also those outliers and the unicorns that are, they are just naturally talented at it. Yeah. You know, and I think there's some people that just have really great taste, um, but not necessarily creative. I think it create creativity. There's a bit of a spectrum. I know that's a really against the grain answer, but no, it's great. Um, all right, Barbie, take it away with our final question. Yeah. Last question is what would you now tell your 15 year old self? go for it don't be afraid yes yes I'd say no I'd probably say in the wise words of Michael Jordan you miss 100% of the shots you don't take oh, I love that you've got great quotes you could write a book of quotes <laughs> oh that is beautiful I love it oh my goodness Sheree it has been an absolute pleasure having you on and I think that anyone I'm so actually kind of like bummed that I never had the opportunity to be in your class but I think anyone who gets taught by you or mentored by you is a very very lucky person and oh my god yeah yeah just seemed like a really amazing genuine person so Taryn slash Billy Blue College of Design is very very lucky to have you on board Thank you for having me. It's been absolutely lovely and I've loved getting to know both of you. And I'm kind of bummed I didn't get to teach you either, Barbie. Yeah, I know. That would have been so much fun. Uh, okay, so one last thing. Can I ask this? You can. i got to get a run-up. Can I get a whoop-whoop? Whoop-whoop. <laughs> whoop-whoop. Yes. Love this. Vibe check. For now, we'll leave you with that and have a great week. Cheers.